The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. On the third day, there was a marriage at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the marriage with his disciples. When the wine failed, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, O woman, what have you to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now six stone jars were standing there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the steward of the feast. So they took it. And the steward of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The steward of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first. And when men have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you... I've kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Thank you, Lord God, for your word and for the promises that you give us in your word. And we pray, Lord, that by your Spirit you would come and teach us to take those promises unto ourselves. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. I don't know if uh, you were in church this morning, uh, which for some of you uh, sounds like insanity. To, if you're here tonight, why would you have been at church this morning? But um, I, after uh, Deborah Layton's sermon this morning, I almost, I just... It, the thought crossed my mind, uh, I should just play a tape recorder of that sermon. It was, it was so good. Uh, as she preached on, uh, really uh, preached on John, uh, the passage from John. Uh, but as I, I, I've read through the scripture uh, that we have for tonight, the, the phrase that really has sort of captured my heart is, is the one from uh, Isaiah, where his, God's promise is, uh, your land shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called my delight. Uh, from desolate to delight just seems like such an incredible uh, gospel summary. Sink for a minute into the word uh, desolate. It's not a really nice invitation, is it? But uh, I, don't, don't rush past it. Think about exactly what Isaiah is relating to us as God has told him. I looked up the word uh, desolate. This is the uh, dictionary definition. Uh, deserted and in a state of bleak and dismal emptiness. Deserted and in a state of bleak and dismal emptiness. And there's sort of a sub-definition. Uh, feeling or showing misery, uh, unhappiness, or loneliness. Now, I've been a few places, but I'm not the most well-traveled guy you've ever met, I'm, I'm sure. Um, I haven't, there's a lot of really nice places uh, that I have yet to visit, and so uh, that being said, uh, 
there's, there's a lot of really not nice places that I've yet to visit because I want to get the nice places out of the way first. Um, uh, so I've never really been. I've never really been to like a desert. I've never been uh, to um, well to to a desert to to the Sahara or something like that. Uh, the as I was just kind of trying to think of a sort of a visual uh, place that I have uh, that I've been. I, I have driven across the Panhandle of Oklahoma. I don't know if you have ever uh, done that. It was it was quite an experience for uh, a guy who grew up in the South and. And, um, you know, there's trees and, and, and pretty much everywhere you go. But, man, there, it is a lot of grass. And, uh, and I can remember driving across the panhandle of Oklahoma, and it's really, it's sort of an, an earthen version of, of, like, being out in the ocean. I mean, it's everywhere you look. It looks exactly the same. And I can remember thinking, I'm sure that's Kansas and that's Texas, but I have no idea uh, because it's just all flat and grass and nothing. And then... Uh, and it's, I mean, it is just, arrow, the road is just arrow straight. And, and uh, I can remember this, seeing on the horizon this silo from a farm and thinking, well, we're, we're about to get, finally, I can sort of have a marker. We're about to get the silo. And I'm not kidding. It was 25 minutes before we got to this silo. It was so far away, and yet it was, there was nothing. But it was just, it, it was the closest I could, think. I mean, it was just desolate. And I could I could imagine you know I was in a car with that had a tank full of gas thankfully but I uh, if you were walking across the plain you just look and everywhere you looked it was the same thing and there was no uh, sign of anything uh, growing no no food I, it was just it was an amazing sort of experience that I hadn't forgotten we were trying to get to the mountains uh, of Colorado uh, and they. And, and they were forever away. We were going in the right direction, but it didn't matter how long you've been traveling. It looked like you hadn't been anywhere. It was, it was exactly the same. It was, in a sense, desolate. Uh, the history of Israel, uh, as, as it is reported to us in, in the pages of the, New, uh, the Old Testament, uh, there's a tension there is on the one hand God's declaration of Israel's spiritual desolation is evidenced by their repeated rebellion and reneged on repentance. And on the other hand, God's declaration of that it won't always be like that. His declaration that He loves them. His call for them to come to Him. So you have this uh, there's people who continually are rebelling and continually say they're going to turn to Him and continually uh, fall short of what they say they're going to do on one hand and then God uh, continually saying to them uh, there will be consequences for this behavior and yet it's not always going to be uh, like that. In this passage in Isaiah, we sort of have a pinnacle uh, of that uh, tension as um, Isaiah reports that God is going to save uh, Israel from... He's going to save His people from, from this way that it has always been. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of your God, and you shall no more be termed forsaken. Your land shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called... My delight is in her. And your land shall be called married, for the Lord delights... In you, nothing had at that point. Nothing had uh, changed. 
with Israel, they had not finally come to a a place where they uh, were going to do what the Lord had said, and yet the word of the Lord over them was uh, that the Lord delights in you. Isaiah, again, we see, as we've seen the past few weeks, Isaiah was so sure of it that he spoke of it in the past tense as if it had already happened. I remember um, it, it was less, less than a year. Sometimes in the last year, I was teaching a, a Sunday school class, and I, I just asked the question. We were taught somehow the, um, the, uh, the words in our, uh, in our uh, forgiveness. The, when we asked God's forgiveness, where we, we conf- the confession, the general confession came up. Uh, the, gr- the remembrance of our sin is grievous unto us. And the burden of them is intolerable. And I asked the class, I said, is, um, is your sin grievous unto you and the burden of your sin intolerable? And, uh, and I just remember this, it was this really refreshing, honest answer. Uh, very simply, uh, no. No, it's not. Um, I, I remember... Going on a, and I don't know if you have that experience where uh, we, we you say this every week in the confession of sin that the the burden of our sin is intolerable. Our sins are grievous unto us. Uh, do you ask yourself, are are my sins grievous to me? Do I feel like the weight of my sin actually is intolerable? Do I feel that, or if I just I'm just reading it really on on the page? I can remember um, some. A lot of you know that I take uh, guys on uh, backpacking tri- trips. Uh, we do it twice a year. We have one coming up uh, April 18th. Love for you to join us if you are a dude. And um, the uh, but I can remember when I was uh, at the church in Charleston. One of uh, my guys it was Saturday. His name was Jamie, and he came up to me and he said, uh, two days ago I I was carrying this backpack. You know we carry everything on our pack. So his pack probably weighed about 40 pounds. He said two days ago on Thursday. All I wanted to do was take this backpack off. I just wanted to throw it down. It was, uh, I, I just, it, it, it was every step. It was in my mind. But today, I hardly feel it at all. Like it's, I mean, it's just part of me. I don't, I don't really. I'm not carrying it. I am carrying it, but I'm not. It doesn't feel like I'm. Just, it's not a burden anymore. And he said that is such a picture of my own sin that it. Uh, that it used to seem like a burden, but I've kind of gotten over it. I've gotten accustomed to the weight of it. And now I'm fine. Which is not to say that he didn't think that he needed to give it up, but to say that uh, it was just sort of a revelation to him. And actually, as he shared that with the group, it was sort of a revelation to all of us. Uh, that we carry our sins around. The fact that we don't grieve uh, our sin before the Lord speaks to the fact of our own heart's desolation. It doesn't mean that we always feel desolate and despondent. Or that we feel empty and, and, and uh, just awful all the time. But really, that we are spiritually desolate in that uh, we will not choose God. Uh, if we do choose to obey God, there is some ulterior motive for ourselves. Uh, we want God to bless us. We expect God to owe us. We have in ourselves nothing to please the Lord. 
And that's not the way we were created. We were created in His image. We were created for uh, glory and joy. And that's why we continually long for this sort of deep sense of warm, uh, joyful uh, satisfaction like they have in the... uh, you know, the investment commercials where the, the guy with gray hair has his happy family and grandchildren and maybe great-grandchildren driving uh, the boat in the Caribbean. And that's sort of uh, what we, what we, what we uh, long for and expect for our whole lives. This sense of warm, joyful satisfaction as we look uh, from the top of the mountain that we've created back over our lives uh, and, and enjoy the view. And there is a sense, a very real sense in which that doesn't tell the whole story. Um, But there's also another sense in which that is really what we were created for. To enjoy the view from the top of the mountain. The mountain that we were created to enjoy the view from the top of is the mountain of the Lord's joy uh, for you. And it is in turning back uh, to the Lord in uh, repentance and continually confessing our need for the Lord that we actually find uh, that great joy. We have an incredible picture of this in our Gospel passage today. Where Jesus takes uh, water and turns it into wine. Uh, When Amy and I were married uh, about uh, 14 and a half years ago, uh, the pastor preached on uh, this passage And he uh, talked about uh, how the Lord takes what is uh, ordinary and makes it uh, extraordinary. And uh, I remember uh, he he, uh, he talked about a poem called The Touch of the Master's Hand. You may have heard that. You can Google it and look it up. You just Google Touch of the Master's Hand and there's all sorts of things that pop up. But uh, the poem uh, talks about a violin that was uh, old and and worn, and, and uh, in, it looked like it was in disrepair. And the auctioneer says, uh, who will give me a dollar for this? One dollar, two, who will take three? And it rhymes, and I don't remember the words. But, um, but, he, uh, but then from the back of the room comes forward uh, this old man who um, polishes off the, the violin and tunes it up and plays this incredible, mesmerizing uh, melody. And the whole room is just standing uh, agape. And then an auctioneer shouts out, who will, who will bid for this violin? A thousand. Who will take a thousand? Two thousand or three? And he said, what has changed the value of this violin? It's the touch of the Master's hand. And his word, the pastor's word to us, uh, was uh, that if we uh, ordinary people walk in uh, the wor- ways of the Lord and in uh, the, terms, the terms of the Lord, uh, then we will be called, uh, we will be extraordinary which is almost right. He said that Amy and I are Israel and we will continually rebel. And oddly enough, we have uh, in 14 and a half years, a time or two. But, um, but it is not just uh, our will to walk in His ways, but it is actually His declaration and the way that He, in a sense, um, uses us, uh, plays us, uh, the, way, the word He speaks over us. That you are no longer called desolate, but you shall be my delight. Not because you finally change your ways, dadgummit, I've told you enough times, but because of how great and wonderful and glorious and majestic His grace is over us, that He changes us 
into his exquisite uh, creation by the word of his grace and his mercy over us. And for that we say, thanks be to God. Amen.